Welcome to the Do What You Love podcast. We believe that doing and belonging contribute to well-being. And through this podcast, we will explore how to share strategies for doing exactly that, what you love. Although some members are health and well-being professionals, this podcast provides wellness management in an informational manner only. Under no circumstances should this podcast substitute for a call or visit with a healthcare professional that is or can become familiar with your lived experience. It's Amelia and Anna here for the second episode of the Do What You Love podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You can now find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Do you use a different directory to listen to your favorites? Let us know in an email at beyondcovid at gmail.com, and we'll do our best to get listed before the next episode. Anna and I mentioned last time that we're both part of Beyond COVID, a team of occupational therapists, occupational therapy students, and citizens from across North America, Europe, and Australia. I think what we kind of forgot to touch on a little bit was that there's always a lot of confusion about who OTs are and what they do and how we can help. So I always think that the very first thing that I remember learning in school was my elevator pitch. And when somebody asked me, what's an OT? What do you do? How I was going to explain it in a short and sweet version. Because a lot of the times we hear oh, you help people go back to work, or oh, you help get people fitted for wheelchairs, or oh, you help assess clients for adaptive devices. And the best part is, is that's all true, but there's so much more that we do. And oftentimes the things that we do are behind the scenes, sometimes they're up front, but we want to use this episode today to help you understand um, whether or not you're a citizen, a community organization, a fellow OT, uh, or a different healthcare professional, exactly what it is that we do and how we can help. By definition, the Canadian Association of Occupational Therapists defines occupational therapy as a health profession concerned with promoting health and quality of life through occupation. The primary goal of OT is to help people engage in activities of everyday life. They came up with this definition in 2002, and since then, things have kind of evolved, which we'll touch on later. But basically, it means that when we are working with people for their health and well-being, we're working with people so that they can do the things they need and want to do, the things that provide meaning and productivity to their days, things that look different for everyone. Um, It could be things like riding a bike or playing the piano or going to work or running in the park or playing with Lego. The opportunities and possibilities are really endless, and we really focus on there's so many different ways of doing um, and they're all great ways if you think about it how many different ways do people make a cup of coffee that is very true because I bet if you watched both of us make a cup of coffee we'd do it very differently but it would be right to both of us exactly so it's about finding what is the best health and well-being through doing and belonging so the thing that I love most about our profession is how different it can look every day based on the client or community that we're working with So I'm in my second year of occupational therapy at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Canada. And if you had have asked me a few years ago if this is where I would be, I did not see myself here at all. But through a few different experiences, I learned that OT is a profession where we can make differences in very little ways that make a really big difference to the people that we're working with. So the thing that I love most about our profession is how different every day can look based on the client or community that we're working with. 
I'm in my second year of occupational therapy at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Canada. And if you had asked me a few years ago if I'd ever see myself here, I would have said absolutely not. But we wanted to touch a little bit today on why different people, why our different colleagues have ended up where they are. So a little bit of my backstory is when I graduated my first degree, I was working in a neurological rehab center, um, not necessarily directly in healthcare, but that's the environment I was in every day. And I started seeing people who were, I called them wheelchair mechanics, and they were OTs who were working in the seating department. So they were creating these magnificent wheelchairs for people that could help them access their communities, their workplace, their the childcare that they needed to provide. It was that person's interface with their world. And then on the upstairs floor of the same place, there were OTs that were helping people um, learn to read recipes and make dinner and communicate. And I, I thought, wow, like those people are all OTs. That looks kind of cool. And then after that, I went to work in a private healthcare company and I saw OTs help people get back to work. And I saw OTs help people um, help parents um, potty train with children. I saw people help kids return to school who had anxiety disorders. I, I saw everything. And then I went into an industrial healthcare setting and I saw all of the work that OTs could do there too. And I thought, well, if they can do all of these different things, this would be a really, really cool way to spend my career. And I decided to apply and here I am. And I'm so proud to be part of a profession that helps people do what's most important to them. And my favorite part about it is that everybody's version of important is different and it makes my day really rewarding and really fun. And moving forward, what I'm most excited about in this career is to help others achieve well-being through doing. I love community and it's something I'm so fortunate to access every day in many different ways. And I believe community is one of the biggest factors in achieving well-being. So that's a little bit about me. And I want to hear a little bit about you, Anna. How come, how are you on this path? What put you here? So what kind of launched me into occupational therapy? Well, um, when I was in grade 10, I read Accidents of Nature by disability rights activist Harriet McBride Johnson. At the same time as I was reading this book, which is about a girl with cerebral palsy being at summer camp and doing at summer camp. Um, I was also a summer camp leader and I was like, oh, like it really spurred my thoughts about what can we do to include people more and some of the things that happened in the book it was just like oh my gosh this is so wrong like it was very eye-opening and um it was my first introduction to disability rights and justices and ableism and from that reading that book I was like I want to work in a, with it towards a world where people um get to do what matters most to them regardless of their label or diagnosis and they get to do it in a way where they're respected where they feel like they belong and they have autonomy and can choose what they really want to do um have in all areas of life and from that it took me a while actually to find occupational therapy it was a good six years I want to say um I looked at physio I looked at physiatry I looked at clinical neuropsychology and all of those careers did appeal to me for different reasons but I want to do things if people work with people even if they're told like say their prognosis is oh well this is as far as you're going to get in terms of your like physical or cognitive abilities like I still was like well there still needs to be ways for people to do things and um we can work together to find those so then I was volunteering we were kayaking down the gorge of power to be and some of the staff were like oh Anna have you heard about occupational therapy and I was like my first thoughts to be honest were occupational therapy I don't just want to work for people and work. I There's so much more to life than that. And there's so many other aspects of life that aren't work that people want to do and need to do in life. 
but of course I was misguided and um, kind of did not fully understand what the profession did at the time. So I did go to the website for CAOT and when I read the vision statement for the Canadian Association for Occupational Therapists, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my dream career. This is what I want to do. I want to work with people so they experience well-being through doing what matters most to them. It was just like, light bulb, okay, this is my dream career. How do I get there? I basically went to the find an OT listing and contacted every single OT in Victoria. Um, I had a few responses and I got some great volunteer opportunities in child and youth mental health. So I went there, went to Dal, and then I came into the community. I came back. I When I was starting my career, I started in a hospital setting, um, which was lots of checklists and lots of like, hey, what does this person need to do to safely get home? And I learned for me personally, that wasn't quite the setting for me. Lots of people do really well in acute and lots of people do really well um, in that short, fast setting. But I really wanted to work with people on long term, looking at their whole lives for what they could do. So I went away for a bit, um, some family, and I came back and I jumped into community private practice. And that was when I started community. I was like, this is this is this is me. This is what I want to do. Um, I'm kind of like a duck to water. I work with people who are veterans. I work with people who have been injured in car accidents or injured at the workplace um, or are active serving members or they live in long-term care or they live at home and they're seniors living at home. But every time I work with the people, it's like, okay, I get to meet people as who they are. I get to meet people, eh. I get to meet people where they're at and I get to really see, okay, what matters most to you? And what can, in our work together, where I have my OT toolkit um, and my life experience, and you have your lived experience about what's worked for you, what hasn't, what matters to you, what you value, what your goals are. Um, and we can come together and we can work together on building and designing a life that supports well-being. Um, building skills, like building coping strategies, learning how to assertively communicate um, setting boundaries, um, learning some like mindfulness or deep breathing for relaxation. It's all about meeting the client where they're at and learning what works best for them. I do everything in the setting from mental health support and looking at ways that people can work and live and do what matters most to them while living with mental health conditions to finding working with people to find a wheelchair that fits their needs in terms of what they need to do as well as what postural support they might need, how we can find that just right fit. Um, Sheila Buck, one of the OTs who, if you're an OT and you want to do some seating courses, I recommend Sheila's. She's great. Um, she has a book out called More Than Four Wheels. Also recommend that. In a nutshell, like for me, OT is really working with people, meeting them where they're at, and seeing what the possibilities are so that they get, like, get really creative and we share knowledge. They're helping people make informed decisions about their health and well-being and so that people can live well and do enjoy life and thrive and do what matters most to them for their well-being. And when we look for the possibilities, we look at the whole person. We're like, okay, what are your skills? What are your strengths? What are your values? What are, what's important to you? Um, we look at what's in the, we look at maybe there's some areas where they could grow their skills to do better. Um, 
and improve their quality like improve their quality of life and do find ways to do more of what matters we also look at the environment and we're like okay can, is there issues in the environment that are making it difficult for this person to participate and then we look at how can we modify these to make it more accessible like not just physically accessible but emotionally accessible or mentally accessible um and then we look at the occupation it's like okay so these are the tools that we have available to us to do this occupation now are there other tools that we could bring in or could we adapt the way that we do this could we like spread it out over time if we do it in chunks could we have some kind of visual cues to remind us what we need to do for each of the steps um so that we can do the occupation and people can do the occupation so it's really about like getting creative, looking at possibilities, thinking outside the box to see what needs to happen so people can do what they love. So if it wasn't clear from listening to that, um, Anna and I are both very passionate about what we do. We love what we do. And we love talking to other people about what we do. And really our profession, the, the possibilities are endless. We can help people transition from the criminal justice system into their communities. We can work with families in their homes. We can work in industries to create safer and more productive workplaces. We can work in schools and hospitals and private clinics and communities and non-governmental organizations. And I hope if you're somebody that's listening to this and maybe you're a little lost on your path, maybe maybe you're a student, maybe you're somebody who works in one of those previous industries that I just talked about, and you're thinking, like, hey, like that sounds really cool. There is a place, I believe, there is no place for OT everywhere. And the more people that we can have um, look at the world through our lens, the the more well we can help our world be. And to help us understand a little bit more about the different places OTs can be, a little bit more about the OT story, we have five guests with us today. So we have Katie, actually we have two Katies, Katie, Katie, Emily, Rachel, and Christina. And they're here today to share a little bit about um, their role in OT, where in the world they work, and kind of how the difference that they make in their communities. So we look forward to sharing their stories with you up here next. Hello, everyone. My name is Katie Scott, and I'm a first-year occupational therapy student at Dalhousie University in Halifax. And I see OT as pretty well anything that involves helping the client do the things they want or need to do, which is a pretty common definition. But I think what's cool about the role that trained occupational therapists can bring to that task is the evidence base and the knowledge that we might have that clients may not have. And what the clients bring to the table is the knowledge that they have that we as OTs who don't have their lived experience wouldn't have. So it's a collaborative effort between the therapist and the client and any other members of the team, so maybe family members or other healthcare professionals. And we look at what the client's going through, whether it's an injury, a mental illness, a challenging situation of any sort. And we look at the evidence that we either know or we've researched. And then we work with what the client's comfortable trying and comfortable doing and find a solution that suits them, that can help them getting back to what they want or need to do. So what do I do in my current occupational therapy role? So for the last six years, um, just over six years, I have been um, on faculty at the Department of Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy at the University of British Columbia. So I started out as a part-time lecturer there and then a couple of years ago I went into um, a tenure-track position. The title I now have, because they changed recently, EBC is Assistant Professor of Teaching, which sounds 
very fancy, so I'll take it. Um, so I teach in the Masters of Occupational Therapy program at UBC. I teach um, course a course on uh, with Catherine Backman on the really the foundations of occupational therapy. So occupational therapy conceptual models, practice process models, um, core principles, client centered practice, and then also bringing a critical lens to that. So critiquing those models, those principles, and and um, looking at perhaps not perhaps what has been missed um, in that work in occupational therapy and in terms of experience and voices and representation. And then um, I coordinate our second year, um, our second term occupation and practice course, which looks at practice skills and is organized around sort of assessment and intervention. And it's organized around psychosocial module, a neuro module, and a biomechanical module. And then I also teach a course in the final two terms of our program called Innovations in Occupation. We're uh, developing and evaluating occupational therapy programs. So there, um, a couple of years ago, I brought in um, partnering with community organizations. So maybe 40% of the teams, um, students work in teams to develop occupational therapy programs or revise them. And so about 40%, I think, of the teams are now with community-engaged partners. I'm really hoping we can continue that. Next year, we were in student groups did an extraordinary job at maintaining those relationships and navigating them um, once the uh, COVID-19 pandemic happened, because it happened in between our two final terms for that course. Yeah, and then I'm also the chair of the curriculum committee uh, for the Masters of Occupational Therapy program. And so for that, I'm tasked with um, designing the conceptual framework that underpins our Masters of Occupational Therapy program. Um, so you can find that framework on our website. It's um, the visual image is lovingly referred to as the MOT tree, but that articulates really at a professional and educational level what informs our curriculum. And uh, over the next year, we'll be also integrating an anti-oppressive framework into that. Yeah, I just have the extraordinary responsibility and privilege of um, being involved in the education of occupational therapists. And it is so deeply rewarding. Our students... Um, work really hard to get into this program. It's the only one in BC. And while we're expanding a wee bit, it, it still is a relatively small program. And so it takes a lot for students to get into it. And um, our, the students are so motivated and also just like a deeply compassionate, attuned, self-aware, reflective group of individuals that humble me every time I teach and learn with them. Um, I have no doubt become a better person since I took on this job. It has pushed me to really work on who I am personally and professionally to make sure I'm bringing my best self authentically to students um, in my teaching. I'm Emily and I've been an occupational therapist for four years now. I've already worked in several practice areas, but I'm currently in pediatrics OT to me is really about seeing a person, hearing their story, and then kind of figuring out with them what they need to have support, encouragement, tools, and training to live their life to the fullest. Hi, my name is Rachel and I've been an occupational therapist for 22 years. I'm also an assistive technology professional and ATP. I'm working right now in a seating and mobility clinic in New York City. I've worked in subacute rehab, in home health, in community-based care, and in long-term care. What 
I love most about occupational therapy and being a therapist is regardless of the setting, the opportunity to develop relationships with the people I'm working with, explore what is important in their life, what it is that they want to be able to do and help them work towards those goals. In a seating and mobility clinic, custom manual and power wheelchairs allow people the mobility to access their home environment and their community environment and really participate to the fullest possible extent in the lives they choose to lead. Hi, my name is Christina. I'm an occupational therapist practicing in Toronto, Ontario. I am currently practicing in a small private pediatric practice. And going into deciding that I wanted to be an OT, it was a little bit of a different path than most of the people that I went to school with. When I was looking to go into an undergrad program, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to work with young people and I wanted to help them be able to do the things that they wanted to do. And from everything that I learned from teachers and pamphlets that I read and stuff on the internet, that was physiotherapy. So I applied to an undergrad in a Bachelor of Science, majoring in kinesiology at McMaster. I took some time off in between my undergrad and whatever was coming next and volunteered at Camp Uchiegas in Toronto, as well as the Ronald McDonald House and at Holland Bloorview, the Kids Rehab Center in Toronto. I met occupational therapists through Holland Bloorview. We did a life skills March break camp all about cooking. There was a bunch of different children with different abilities. Um, and regardless of what abilities anyone had, we all worked together to look at recipes and make grocery lists and go shopping and make an amazing dinner um, or amazing lunch every week. That was the point where I was like, hmm, physio is more about getting people to a certain point of rehabilitation in order to get back to their real life. But occupational therapy seems to be that we can bring these activities to someone regardless of where they are in their life. And that was something that resonated a little bit more to me. So that's why I went into occupational therapy. And as I got there, I realized that this was the job for me, regardless of what population I end up working with. This is where I belong. So right now, my life is a little bit different. So I have a private practice job where I'm working with children from honestly any age. I have a referral right now for two years old. um, But a few months ago, I was working with someone who was almost 30. So it's a little bit different because it's private practice. Um, but we work on any goals that them and their parents want to set. Dressing, handwriting skills, fine motor skills, gross motor skills. With the older clients, I do a lot of life skills, uh, mindfulness. I'm also a yoga instructor, so that kind of ties in nicely. But during COVID, um, this practice looked a little bit different it still looks a little bit different because we shifted our clients virtually because we go into their homes and some families weren't able to do that. So during COVID, just to paint a little bit more about the breadth of occupational therapy, I have also been writing an occupational therapy blog. I have worked on a research project, which is a cross Canada study looking at how psychotherapy presents in an occupational therapy practice, which is very interesting and definitely something I want to pursue further. Um, I've been taking lots of different courses, just trying to open my eyes to different 
sectors of OT because there's so many. Um, and I've been on a bunch of boards. So I presented a I presented research at the CAOT conference, and now I'm helping plan the OSOT conference, so the Ontario Society of Occupational Therapy conference. Thanks for having me on this podcast, guys. Have a good day. So we'd like to say a really big thank you to Katie, Rachel, Emily, and Christina. It was really nice to hear some different perspectives from some different backgrounds with different amounts of experience in the field. And as always, we look forward to hearing from everybody. If you are interested in being a part of the Do What You Love podcast, please reach out. We're always looking for feedback from those um, in the, the field of occupational therapy and occupational science. And we really love to hear from citizens too. So if you have a story you'd like to share, if you... If you want to get involved, please let us know. You can find the, the Beyond COVID team on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and right here on the Do What You Love podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Well, that's it for today, and we hope to chat with you next time. We have episode three in the works right now, where we're going to be chatting a little bit about the return to school this fall and how to navigate that during COVID. We'll be speaking with a couple of educators in the occupational therapy field. We'll be speaking with some parents um, and just having a chat about how we can make that transition successful for not only children in the school system, but university students, parents, and educators. We'll see you next time. Music for the Do What You Love podcast was provided by Purple Planet, a royalty-free download service.